Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. And this is our Saturday morning call-in show. If you've never heard of our Saturday morning call-in show before, this is a time where if you want to call and ask questions, if you want to share ideas, opinions, if you have a thought about Back to Jerusalem, how it operates, uh, any of those things, it doesn't really matter what the subject is. If you are critical, if you are supportive, if you've been a prayer partner for a long period of time and just want to say, hey, we would love to, we would absolutely love to hear from you. So we have this Saturday morning um, call-in show that we've been doing now for the last couple of weeks. We started it during the coronavirus uh, and it's and it's been possible because I've been in the same place for uh, several weeks now. And so that has been a very unique thing and we wanted to take advantage of that. And now we've opened up the call lines. I started this podcast a little bit early so that we can get ahead of the calls. If you call in and nobody answers, it's because it's not because you know it's not real. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are like, you know, I've tried to contact you a couple of times. I've tried to call the number, but it's just not working. Well, the truth is, is that we always have the line open. The keyword is the line. We don't have more than one line, unfortunately. It's me. Seriously, if you could see a picture of what we're doing right now, I'm basically I'm recording with my phone as I always do, and I am using Skype on my computer, and with Skype, I only have this one line. We don't have anybody um, screening the calls. We don't know who's calling or where it's coming from. All we know is that somebody's calling, and so we answer it, and we usually try to answer the questions between three to five minutes. Sometimes questions are longer, and we apologize for that, so if you call, and the line is busy or nobody answers, please call back. Give it about three to five minutes and then call back again. We're on here for an hour between 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. New York City time. So every Saturday, at least for now, um, between 10 a.m. and 11 a.m., you can call the number that we have is 1-703-348-7756. I really love this number because where I grew up as a kid, all of the numbers were 348. So the local numbers for, and I grew up close. I didn't. Gr I grew up in a place called Blackford County, Indiana. There was a small town that was, well, it was actually the biggest town. I didn't live in the big town of Hartford City, Indiana, but the number there was 348. And looks like we've got our first call coming in. Hello, this is Eugene Bach with Back to Jerusalem. Who am I talking to? Uh, this is Sharon Soldo calling from St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, so great to hear your voice. Hi. Thanks for calling in. What's up? 
Um, I was just wondering, uh, I, I've read your Leaving Buddha book. Okay. And, uh, boy, was that an eye-opener. Oh, gosh. Um, it it and was, was for me as well. Uh, just to let you know, when I was writing that book, I was my jaw was on the floor most of the time. So I've, oh, I've been I, working I in Tibet imagine. for about 20 years and I've been working with Buddhists. I've been, by the way, that is the hardest area in the world that we are not in the world. Sorry. That's the hardest area in China that we work. So of all the places that we work in China, Tibet is the hardest. So when this monk began to reveal things to me, I was like, what the, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, so this was a, and, and I've read the book of Buddha. Um, I've studied Buddhism from a, a Buddhist monk. Um, but I did not have a clue about the things that this, that Tenzin was walking me through. So, yeah, please go ahead. I know, uh, it almost, it, to me, it was almost more, uh, difficult than atheism. I mean, you know, these communist countries that don't allow God, this, this one to me was almost worse because it's so deceptive in, in how, with the, the belief system and what it causes people to do. Oh, it, it's just horrifying. I mean, it just uh, sets up people for abuse, terrible abuse. Yeah, and, it really uh, does. It, and it's a completely different picture than what you get in the West, you know, with the idea of it. I've, I've said this before. I say it again. Uh, Buddhism, especially Tibetan Buddhism, probably has one of the best salesmen that has ever existed. The Dalai Lama is an amazing salesman. And what he has done is he has moved into Western Christian society and basically mm -hmm. sold them on this idea that Buddhism is extremely peaceful. Mm-hmm. Mm -mm -mm. Boy, is that deceptive. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, so much happens behind the scenes there. I was just wondering about the, the monk that was featured in, you know, your book. Is he still there, do you know, or is he still active in uh, helping the... Better yes. People? So oh, he good. is uh, he is a back to Jerusalem missionary. We work together with him, so he is supported by us. So we support him and his family. I can't give many details on what we're working together sure. on. Uh, so in the book, um, I can let you know that in the book we actually did go back to his village, but we didn't exactly do the project that I highlighted in the book. What I did is I changed the nature of the project, but everything else was the mm -hmm. same. And I said that, that at gotcha. the beginning, because of because this guy is so unique, there's so much right. information that can alert the authorities who he is, where he is, and they can just move sure. in and arrest him. So one of the things that I tried to guarantee him was, I promise we will try everything in our power to conceal your identity. And so I mm -hmm. changed several things. One is I changed his name. Um, I changed, mm -hmm. the, you know, uh, some of the details in the book have been changed for his safety, but everything is true. It's just I've changed some place mm -hmm. names and some people names and stuff like that. So sure. we are working together with him. He has an amazing ministry and actually... During this time of the coronavirus, he has been more active and busy and free to move around than ever before. Mm. So we mm. have been so encouraged. Now, I the, the challenge that I have is that I'm not able to get messages directly from him right now because China's monitoring all message systems coming and going out of the country. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to risk mm -hmm. it. The only way I get information from him is face to face. And the last time mm -hmm. I saw him face to face was in January. 
So I haven't seen him for several months, but I've been able to get mm-hmm. messages to him and he's been able to get messages back to me. And we it's almost like the New Jersey mob. Uh, you, can't, <laughs> you, you can't communicate directly with the boss, but you can communicate right. through channels. So I can't communicate directly with him, but I can yeah. communicate to guys that can get messages to him. And then he sends messages back to me. And um, he is a back to Jerusalem missionary right now. um, And he actually is providing an amazing service for Tibetans that are in need. And so he moves in and ministers to them in ways where they look to him as their teacher because he was a Lama from his area. He was one of the top Mm -hmm. Buddhist monks. So he speaks their language. He knows their religion better than they do. He knows the foundations of what they believe. And so through that, he's able to say, listen, I know what you're going through. I know the pain and the hurt and the suffering. Let me tell you that as a monk, this was what I found for my salvation. And it has been such a powerful. Now, we have mm-hmm. we have not been that successful in Tibet. Uh, for the last 20 years, it's just like we keep doing stuff and we don't see a mm-hmm. lot of fruit. But now, mm-hmm. partnered together with Tenzin has been such a wonderful thing because we are seeing so many people now come to Christ from mm-hmm. a Tibetan monk that knows what they're going through. It's been so powerful. That's wonderful. Yes. That's really wonderful. Um, I was also wondering about the uh, Bible pill. I love the capsule, the Bible in the capsule. I was wondering how that's going. Yes. Well, I'm glad you asked about it. So we were able to raise last year um, enough funding to produce 10,000 of those units. Uh, Up until that time, up until the end of last year, all of our units were handmade. So we've probably made so far maybe, I want to say 40, 50. So we haven't made that many because they've all been handmade. So it takes a lot of time. We have one guy that's kind of our main guy and he's just, he really is a gift from God. He's He's this remarkable genius. And he is able to not just write the software, but to organize and and research and find the kind of hardware that he needs in order to make a device like that happen. And Mm -hmm. so our goal was to have um, 10,000 units produced by last year. However, last year, if, if you've been following back to, I don't know how long you've been a friend of Back to Jerusalem. Yeah, uh, probably last uh Two, two, three years, maybe. Oh, I mean, okay, for a while. great. Well, you came on right when we started to see a lot of increase in persecution. So I've been living in uh, China for over 20 years, and I have never seen as much persecution against the church inside of China as I have in the last two years. Yeah, and yeah. that I know that this sounds strange, but it did kind of take us by surprise. We've always seen persecution in China, but China's a big country. And in many ways, it's like Europe. So a lot of people think that China is just one little place in the world where everybody, you know, looks the same, talks the same. That's that couldn't be further from the truth. China's made up of so many different people that come from different uh, religious backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, historical backgrounds, linguistic backgrounds. They speak different languages. They look completely different. They have different histories. Mm-hmm. So it's 
the southern part of China, for instance, is as different from the northern part of China. Like, for instance, Guangdong is as different from Mongolia, and Mongolia is as different from Xinjiang, and Xinjiang is as different from northeast uh, Jilin province, as you would find Italy being just as different from England, being as different, just as different from Finland, being just as different from France. Um, yeah, you have wow. all of that in one country. So when we talk about increase of persecution, most of the time it was in these pockets where it wasn't as so much an overarching strategy of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, but it was more mm -hmm. these zealous local rulers, you know, in different areas that were increasing persecution. Two years ago, that all changed. Two years ago, we saw a huge change where um, people from um, the, the Beijing government began to put together strategies for shutting down the church in China. And that that completely changed the way that we operate. You know, we uh, print anywhere from 200,000 to a million Bibles inside of China per year. Uh, we mm -hmm. have the distribution of children's materials. We have children's training. We have Back to Jerusalem missionary support. We have Back to Jerusalem uh, training centers. We have language centers. We have a lot of different things going on. All of that changed in 2018. In 2019, I thought that it would start to let up a little bit. It did not. And because of that, um, we had to delay the production of our uh, pill-sized Bible, our, our hologram Bible, uh, because we have to be very careful now, the factory that we use in order to do the production. So what we did is we delayed it. We had a timeline that we would do the first batch of 1,000 in October of 2019, and then we would do the other 9,000 batch by November of 2019. We delayed that to January of 2020, but then the virus in Wuhan broke out and that changed everything else again. So where we are at right now is that we are delayed on our production, but it is slowly picking back up. So we hope to have, all prayers are needed, but we hope to have um, the... Uh, hologram Bible completely produced at least for the first 10,000 units that we are committed to do by the end of the summer. We're trying to be reasonable with our timeline and we are mm -hmm. flexible. What's great about being a small organization like us is that we can be super flexible. We don't have a demand. The great thing about the support for these, by the way, has been that individuals from around the world have said, I want to stand behind this. And because of that, most individuals have been like, hey, I understand there's challenges. I understand there's delays. We just want to see it get out there. So this funding that we have got, we don't touch. It is going for the production. And those units are going to be sent into North Korea and Western China, into the gulags where we have uh, so many Christians and Muslims that have been rounded up, arrested, and thrown into re-education camps. Um, yeah. What is beautiful about that is that we are not bound by an organization that has a contract that wants us to meet a certain timeline. Um, and so we are so very thankful about this season that we're in because it allows us to follow the timeline of God and not the timeline of man. So mm -hmm. that's, that's where we're at right now with that production. So the units great. are getting better. Uh, we just had a hackers conference in February 
and uh, we are working on new units for the hologram Bible to make them even more dynamic. So they're pill size right now, and I can't give many details about what we're working on now. I can one part. This part I'm excited about. We are making a glass. Now I can't tell you exactly how we're using it, but it's a glass. So you can think of, you know, just a glass from your kitchen that you would drink water out of. So we have a, we have a glass that we are working on where 30 degrees of that glass would light up with the same technology that we have from our hologram Bible and 330 degrees you would not be able to see. And so when you are reading, the person looking at the glass or having the glass at their table can read the Bible in much bigger letters than what we currently have with our hologram Bible. And if anybody Mm -hmm. comes, you can stop reading and the glass is completely clear. Like you cannot see that there's anything different about the glass. So it's, it's a clear glass. You can see through it. You can drink water or soda or whatever, and you can see, you know, completely through it. So it's, it's transparent, but when you activate it, when you activate the hologram Bible, then 30 degrees is readable. And then the rest of the 330 degrees of the glass is not. So somebody can be sitting across from you and not know that you're actually reading the Bible from this glass of water or tea or whatever it is that you're reading. Will we be able to do it? I don't know. We're trying to develop it. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Yeah, and that's in conjunction with the pill Bible that the two work together. Exactly, using the same technology. And I can't tell you how many people have come to our hackers conference and have been like, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you have this pill. I need to see it. And we get all of these guys from around the world and the hackers conference has been amazing. I mean, we get people from the CIA, the US State Department, from foreign military intelligence groups. We have uh, code writers from Google, uh, amazon.com. We have um, individuals from all different walks of life that say, I'm a Christian. I've been given this gift and I've never known, I've never seen a way where I could possibly use this gift for the kingdom. So, so many people sadly think that when they think of ministry, unfortunately, what they think of is that, oh, to be in full-time ministry, I need to be a pastor on a stage or I need to be a worship leader or I, I need to be a Christian counselor or a missionary. Wrong. That's not the picture that we get from the very first century church. What we see Mm -hmm. from the first century church are individuals who come from different walks of life that serve God in the gift that God has given them. Thank you so much for your call. I've got another call coming in, so I'm going to let you go. But oh, it was wonderful to talk with you. Love it. Thank you. Awesome. I looks like I missed my next call. Hopefully, that person calls back. Um, I love these kind of calls that are coming in. I'm, I'm, uh, sometimes I answer the call a little bit too late. <clears throat> so if you've called and you call into the Back to Jerusalem podcast, give us about three to five minutes and I promise you we will be right back and answer your questions. I took a little bit longer for that question because it was such, I think it's a common question that a lot of people have. And I'm so excited that she read the, the, um, Leaving Buddha book. That book is now available in in Swedish. Um, it's available in German, and it will soon be available in Norwegian. Um, it is. I, I've had people write to me and say that it's, it's the best book that I've ever written. 
Um, I would say it's it's definitely one of my favorites. It's one of the top books up there because the story did come together so well. There are other stories that I've written, books that I've written where I felt like I just didn't cover it well enough. I didn't, I, I, I missed the mark on being able to tell the story. I missed the mark on telling the, the full influence and impact and work of God in that person's life. Um, there are people that I come in contact with and I feel that God has is just been so powerful in their lives. And I've been amazed and, and felt, to be honest, very privileged just to be in their presence. I, I've been in awe of them. And I know that everybody's human, right? We all put our pants on one leg at a time. I get it. But when I look at my own life and the failures and the shortcomings and, and how I entertain myself and how I spend my free time and, and what I've done throughout my life and what I haven't done throughout my life, what I have sacrificed and what I haven't sacrificed, I get into the presence of these great men and I can feel the spirit of God on them and I long for it. I long to have what they have. I, I, I see the sacrifice that they've gone through. I'm like, dude, I don't want to go through what you went through. But I so desperately want the treasure that you have found on the other side. Does that make sense? And when I sit in their presence and I tell their stories, I'm not, I'm not being dramatic, over dramatic when I say that I tremble thinking that I'm going to be telling their story. But I also tremble at the thought of maybe their story doesn't get told. Like Tenzin, the leaving Buddha, his story is going to change the Tibetan culture forever. I believe that. I believe that he is changing a nation. I believe that. And I also believe that his story is a piece of history. And to be able to tell that story of history, is so stinking important because when and if he dies before the Lord returns, what a tragedy if his story wasn't told, if his story wasn't written down, if his story wasn't shared with the entire world. Who knows the number of people that are going to be touched by his life and the ministry that he has? So, yeah. Um, we're taking calls right now. I'm waiting for the next call. Just going to update my Facebook page right now. See, I'm kind of a one man machine trying to, trying to do everything. And what happens oftentimes when you're trying to do everything is that you, <laughs> have you ever met somebody that does a lot of different things like a, a, a jack of all trades? And there's, this is such a good phrase because it so does, it, it is me in so many ways. The jack of all trades, master of none. Meaning that I can do something of everything, but I'm not really good at anything. <laughs> I have a, 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 a combined skill, a cumulative skill, a skill that, that cultivates over several things. Like I don't get any high points. Like if you took any of my skills, my, any of my given skills, and you gave me a score from one to 10, I'd get a pretty low score. But people that score really high on one thing might score really low on another. So my, my goal is to just kind of have, 
you know, a bump for everything. Like I, I'm not too bad at anything. I'm not too good at anything. So my combination score would be maybe a, <laughs> it, would, it would be at least competitive. And so, yeah, I'm just updating and letting people know right now you can call the Back to Jerusalem podcast 1-703-348-7756 until 12 p.m. And I do this every time, uh, Eastern Standard Time. And we do this. So every Saturday, 11 to 12 Eastern Standard Time, I'm really hoping that we can get people calling in and asking um, questions that they may have. So uh, I've got one guy writing to me right now, Michael Rhodes. Michael is a good friend of mine. We've worked to him, with him for a while. Um, it, this He's asking, uh, they, they have a friend that is that is saying, hey, um, when do you do your live podcast? Or when, it can be confusing. It can be confusing because when we say call into our live podcast, the podcast is live and you're recorded on the the live podcast, but we're not airing the live podcast as we are doing the recording. I might look into that. I might look into this and see maybe we can broadcast live while we're doing this, but we just try to put it up on our podcast, uh, on our podcast site, backtojerusalem.com slash podcast. So, uh, Michael, um, we record live, but we post. And here I've got another call in, 1717. This is coming from our office, I think. Hello, this is a Back to Jerusalem podcast. Eugene Bach, who, who am I speaking with? Eugene, Will here. How are you? Hey, brother. Good to hear your voice. Thanks for calling. Yes, likewise. I called in before and uh, you didn't answer, so it sounds like you've been having a good morning. Yes, I have. Um, unfortunately, I took my first phone call. And I forgot to tell her that we wanted to send her a gift. Oh, okay. Uh, I completely dropped wow. the ball. I put that up on my on my um, Facebook page and I forgot to get her information. And so I'm going to do have you, to apologize to everybody for missing that. Do you have a um, record of the number that called in? I do. I do, and I will. That's dude. That's why I've got people like you that I work with because that is yeah, a really good idea. Help, if you can uh, text that to me, I'll call and follow up on that. Okay, great. Thank you so much. So I wanted to ask you, um, what books do we have right now in the office? Like, I know we've got some old ones kind of in the in the inventory that are really good books, but we've just kind of put them on a back shelf because we have so many things coming on the line right now. We do. We've got a lot of good books, but some of our older ones are, are really good too. Um, one of them that I think about right now, which is headline news, is um, The Crimson Crucible, which is about North Korea. talks about the church in North Korea, the history of North Korea. Uh, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to come right back to you, Will. I've got a phone call coming. I'm going to go ahead and take it. All right. Perfect. Hello, this is uh, Back to Jerusalem with Eugene Bach. Who am I speaking with? Hi Eugene, my name is Timothy. I'm calling from, and I'm calling you from Poland. Really? Oh, great! It's so great to hear your voice. Thanks for calling in. I have. Do you still answer questions? Yes, please. Okay, I have two questions. Yes. Um, 
Well, first of all, well, because well, even before the first of all, what you said yesterday really, really impacted me. I mean, the prayer cast that uh, the, that was uh, transmitted yesterday on, on YouTube. And you said something which really struck me. You, you said, and you repeated it plenty, plenty times. You said, don't get soft. And it struck me because this is something that we are experiencing, uh, which we are, what we are doing in the, in the house churches network uh, here in Poland, that, that because we are where you are meeting on, um, we're using Zoom still. We're using Zoom, and we have a prayer every night since a month and a half. And this is something which is really uh, which we are experiencing this this need not to get soft because it's easy to get wary of the situation of seeing the same faces every day and just establish a new routine and just get very, I don't know, lazy, I would say. So thank you. Thank you for saying what you said yesterday. Oh, thank you. Even though you you recorded that before. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, brother. Uh, And because what you do, what what Back to Jerusalem is doing, it it, it has a special place in my heart. Um, I love China. I've never been there, but I but I love. Uh, I read I read I read plenty of books, and my first question comes um, because right now there's there's a lot of churches, a lot of people that have resources, and I mean I live in Europe, and and Europe you know it's slower right now, but it's still we're not having any any food scarcity or really big problems. Um, so, so that's that's why I want to ask about the relief fund because I know that you have a special fund which is actually helping um, people that most need it. Could you tell me the last because there's going to be more people listening to it? Uh, could you tell something more about the the current projects, the current situations that you are handling and, and addressing? The, I mean, the the humanitarian crisis, the, the really bad places. Could you? Could you say a few words about this? About this? Yes, absolutely. Um, when it comes to the relief funds that we do, this is probably one of the best ways that we are able to reach out to those in need and share the love of Christ, both spiritually and physically, which is so important. And in fact, it's been so effective that starting at the beginning of this year, China has made it against the law for for individuals to carry out any sort of help for their neighbor. <laughs> the reason why is because Christians have been so effective at helping in disaster areas and sharing the name of Christ. Now, it's important to, to recognize something uh, from the very beginning, and that is when we do humanitarian efforts or relief work, we do not require that people become Christians and we do not target Christians only with our relief work. Instead, we help everybody and we do so with the love of Christ. And, uh, are you still there, brother? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, great. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, I thought I dropped you for a minute, so I'm, I'm glad you're still there. So, um, Right now, our biggest relief efforts that we are a part of uh, have been, uh, we are doing right now in Iraq and Iran. 
Uh, Iraq mm-hmm. is having some challenges right now because of the coronavirus. But in Iran, there were some floods that took place in the southeast area. And we've been able to yep. send churches there and provide aid to the people that have found themselves homeless, jobless, and, and without food. And so we have been able to provide temporary shelter, temporary food, food items, as well as helping families relocate when needed. What's been great is that we're a pretty small organization, so we don't have like uh, a uh, draconian set of rules that we have to do, right? When we see Uh a need, we're able to meet that need as it is seen by our partners on the ground. We trust our partners on the ground and we take our guidance from them. So I've spent a lot of time in Iran traveling together with our friends there that are carrying out the aid. So I trust them and they trust me and we don't have the ability to have long conversations. I don't have the the luxury of having them send me reports of all of the details of what is needed. So what I do is that they send very simple short messages and say, this is our need. And then I give them a very short message back, do it. And then we supply them with the resources that they need the best that we can. And then when the time arrives, then we go and we see, you know, the area where they've been helping. And this is a big difference. This is a big difference, I think, between us with Back to Jerusalem and some other aid organizations. And it's not because we have found a good way. So I hope I don't say it in this way. We ha- we're doing it in this way because of the experience of the Chinese and persecution. They have found that it is uh, great to be there in the, in the middle of the disaster when everybody's kind of focused on the disaster. But it's also just as important to stay after everybody leaves. So, for instance... We had a huge tsunami in Indonesia where we helped in Banda Aceh in 2004. And in 2004, we were able to send in teams there. When everybody else left, our team stayed, planted churches, and they discipled those new believers. It's great to be there during the disaster, but it's even just as important to remain and to disciple and to do long-term missions. Uh, We just had a tsunami that took place in Indonesia a couple years ago. We're still there. We're still helping the churches, working with the churches. So it's not, okay, let's go there because everybody's focused on it. And, you know, there's a a big uh, ambition to help right now. And then tomorrow when there's a disaster somewhere else, we pick up and everybody runs to the new disaster. It's not like that. We try to go and help in that disaster but also stay, be with the people, serve the people long-term. So right now, our main focus for disaster relief has been in China with the um, outbreak of the coronavirus. So we have started several um, and and are supporting several um, clinics throughout China. And we have Mm -hmm. emergency relief that we've done in Iran. And then we also have been doing food for refugees in Iraq. We have other programs that we also focus on, but those are the three that come to mind while I'm sitting here. Thank you, Eugene. Praise the Lord. This is all of this. You just said I'm going to transmit this through our network of house churches because we we do pray for you. We, we really 
look up to what you do. So thank you for all of this information. Thank you so and, much. And I, I have just one request from you, please. Um, sure. After we sign off together, I have um, some materials that I would love to send you. We have several books. Unfortunately, they're in English. They're not in Polish. But we have several books that I would absolutely love to send to you and those that you fellowship with. And hopefully they can be a blessing, uh, even though they're, they are in the English language. And um, um, if you could send me a personal message on Facebook with your contact details, um, I will have our office send those materials to you ASAP. Thank you, brother. I, I do appreciate it. Yes. I do appreciate it. Can I have one more question? Yes, please. Or do you have somebody waiting? No, not yet. So the, sec the second question would be, because, I mean, I'm very, I'm a newborn baby. I was, I was born out of pure Jesus life in four years ago. I've met Jesus four years ago. I realized that he's alive and he's great. So it's just four years. And all of this, all these four years since, since then is a, big roller coaster for me because everything is speeding up so 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 fast and and since since the first day of my new life i've been always with the house churches movement and and i was going to ask you do you have any word word of advice for people that are growing in house, house churches living in house churches just just being more um, of course, we, we, we do big meetings from time to time, like every two weeks, every three weeks, to a couple of hundred people together to, to celebrate. But most of our life is in, is in house churches. So especially now, it's just my church is basically me and my wife <laughs> in my house. So, but, but for the growth of the house churches, because I'm, I'm quite sure you have seen um, a lot of stories um, about the... The growth of the house churches networks. Do you have any any advice for for a guy like me just asking that straightforward question? Yeah, I the, I don't really. I, I want to be very careful here because I one of the things that I have noticed uh, is that because you know I work in China, I work in Iran, I work uh -huh. in Iraq, I work in Somalia, I work in Sudan, and I've seen the house church and how it takes place in different areas and in different ways. And I have written a book called The Underground House Church. I will make sure that I put it on the list that we can send it to you. And you can see how the Chinese church operates their house church. However, there are things in the Chinese house church that are exactly like the first book that we see of acts of the, of the, um, disciples as they went in and they began to start the house church movement, um, as the first century church, we see things that are the char characteristics that are shared uh -huh. with the Chinese house church that I think are so important. However, you have to identify and appreciate and embrace their, your own characteristics that make you different. You were not born in China for a reason. You were born in Poland for, I'm assuming you were born in Poland. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes. you were born Polish for a reason. And so you, your, your job is not to look like the Chinese house church. And so I think sometimes Christians see God move in an amazing way. And then they want to write a book about it and say, this is the way that God moves. God is so much bigger than we are. 
uh, to to try to explain God's plans and His ways to uh, to our minds, I think is about the same as you finding an ant, uh, a small little ant insect on your kitchen table, and stopping that ant and trying to tell that insect about your need to pay the rent for the month for your house. The, the Try to explain to that ant your desire to find a new job or get a new car or look for a new church. That ant has more of a capacity to understand your problems than we do understanding God's plan. That's that's my thought. So I, I, I can only share with you characteristics that I appreciate and I want to be very careful because I don't want to like give you any advice that you think oh this is this is the right way my exposure in these different countries has taught me one big thing and that is God is a God of uniqueness he moves in people in so many unique ways and in that uniqueness we come together as a church it doesn't separate us it brings us together so that we are able to complement one another. The Chinese house church complements the Orthodox Church of Russia. It complements the house church of Poland. It complements the Pentecostal Church of America. Um, and so one of the things that I would say to you is appreciate this time. It's, it's sometimes hard for us to see God's grand move when we see things in a house church, because a house church can be so relaxed, right? You may have your own family like you talked about, or you might have five or six or 10 people in your home. How can you possibly assume that this is a big movement, right? When you have so few people, it's like, God, I know that you have great things, but this is it. This is all there is. But one of the things that God has shown to me, and I've shared this before, I'm going to step back just for a minute and share about um, an event that took place in American history that most of my listeners probably don't know about. It's something that I read a few months ago and I've been sharing it and I'm going to share it again now uh, with you because I think this is so appropriate. Um, because this, what, what I'm sharing with you is something that has been an encouragement for me. And that is this. I've seen other ministries that God has moved in amazing ways. And I've, and I've obvious uh, there, I've been often envious of that and think, God, you're moving there. Why can't you move here? And, and I'm seeing what you're doing with the Chinese, but why can't we do it here in Tibet or here in Bhutan or here in Cambodia? What am I missing? And one of the things that I've seen God share goes back to a battle that took place in 1812 in the United States when America was still separating from Britain. And Britain had this amazing navy. They were like the world power on the water, right? They people not only did they fear the British, they admired the British. When the when the British came in with their royal navy, it was a it was something to really be in awe of. I mean, they're big, beautiful ships, they're massive masts. It 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 somehow it it would it bring out this feeling of people just being in awe and it demanded respect. But when they went into the battle of New Orleans, coming at the mouth of the Mississippi River, they brought in their their big navy and it was meant to intimidate. And the Americans only had these little bitty boats. 
They were a joke. Uh-huh. These American boats were an absolute joke because they were so small. They were like a, a, a fishing boat. What is a fishing boat going to do to these massive powers on the water? And what happened, what they did not know, what the British military did not know is that into the, the New Orleans waters, the water gets very shallow and those big boats were absolutely worthless in, the, in those waters. And these little small boats were able to take the battle to the Brits and hold them back long enough to keep their military from taking New Orleans. If they would have taken New Orleans, most people think that the Brits would have taken that entire part of the United States and it would still be a part of Britain today. But they didn't because you have these little bitty boats that were able to defeat this massive navy because the waters did not accommodate a massive navy. My point that I that I see here when it comes to the Bible is that God has us in the boat that he chooses. And the battleground is in shallow waters right now. And he doesn't need us to be in big boats. If he did, we would be in big boats. But we are in the small house church boats. And they may not seem very significant, but they're working in shallow waters. And we're able to take the battle to the enemy and see him defeated. Big ministries that get all of the attention, maybe from America or Europe, they have the big banners, they have the famous names. They're not able to work in the closed areas of Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, uh-huh. uh, in Armenia or uh, Iran. Those, those ministries are kept out because they're too well known. God needs small boats that can operate in shallow waters. What I love about Poland is that you guys have a history of seeing the damage that atheism can bring to a nation because you guys experienced communism. And so... Through that, and we see the same thing in China, you guys are able to relate. The Polish people can relate to those that are living in unreached areas of the world. The North Koreans, Amen. the, the, Amen. the um, um, Cambodians, the Laotians, the Vietnamese. Um, these guys have been living with this chain of the enemy around their neck for so long that when somebody comes to them from an experience like you have, of house church and the background that you have, you can actually share brother, sister. I'm not sharing with you an idea that I read in a book. I'm sharing with you something that I have experienced myself. And that is a powerful testimony. So I would say when working in the house church, embrace the experience that God has given to you because you've been given that experience for a purpose. And that purpose is to reach those that are not reachable by anyone else. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. That really, that really makes a, a very warm response in my heart. Thank you, Eugene. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate the call. I appreciate the church in Poland. Um, I've been contacted by our other friends in Poland that have been uh, reaching out and they've been talking about the Back to Jerusalem ministry. Something's happening there in Poland and I'm super excited about it. I'm praying for you guys yes. and I yes. appreciate yes. your support. I appreciate your prayers. You're welcome, brother. You're welcome, brother. And we are really looking forward to, as soon as we will be able to fly in anyone to Poland, we would like to invite you guys for for some great quality time. 
That sounds great. We will definitely look at it. I would love to be with you guys. You're not that far from where I'm at now. So I'm actually doing this podcast from Northern Sweden. So I'm closer to you than, than uh, I usually am when I'm in China. So <laughs> God bless you, brother. Same time zone. Yes. Yes. God bless you and uh, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you, brother. Bye. Ah, wow. This is what makes doing the uh, Back to Jerusalem call-in podcast so much of a blessing because we get people from all over the world that are, you know, listening to the Back to Jerusalem podcast. I just saw that in the last six weeks, we have over, you know, 78 nations that are listening to this podcast. Why? I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. I mean, we, we do it on our phone. I've said it many times, but... For whatever reason, there are people that are around the world that are touched by the message of the Chinese church. And to hear from brothers and sisters in Poland and other parts of the world as well, blesses my heart so much because I know that their nation has gone through what we are seeing in other nations around the world. You know, it's very difficult for a student from, you know, an American university who's grown up in a cul-de-sac somewhere. They grew up in um, the the wealthy part of America or and they've had parents that, you know, gave them a relatively good life and then they go to college and then they hear that God is not real. They hear that the best thing for human culture would be to everybody adopt atheism and that uh, communism is one of the best ways forward for all of humanity and it's absolute garbage. It's absolute garbage, but people buy into it. Why? Because they haven't had the experience of someone like the caller that just called in just now with back to Jerusalem and, and individuals from places like the Ukraine, from Poland, from Estonia, even from Russia, Mother Russia. We get people that are supporting Back to Jerusalem from these areas, and they have such a passion and a heart for what the Chinese are going through. And it is something that is completely different and unique. When we go into churches like in Canada with Brother Yun, and they hear about the the system in communist China, they can look at it and be sympathetic. But the believers that come from former communist nations, they have a deep sense of empathy. They have a deep sense of empathy because they have been there. They've done that. They know what the pain is like. So I'm really excited. Now, there were a couple of phone calls that came in while I was doing this podcast, but unfortunately, I was not able to take them because I felt that it was so important for me to finish that thought with this dear brother. I was skiing um, this morning, Uh, not your typical kind of skiing. You know, when people hear skiing, what they think is that, oh, you went to a resort and you got into a lift and you were, you know, coming down and, and, you know, having this amazing time drinking hot cocoa. No, that's not the kind of skiing that I'm doing. I'm in a remote mountain area. So I'm climbing rural mountains where there's no trails. 
And so skiing is kind of like walking through the forest for me, but I'm doing it with skis. And I'm on, you know, snow that's like anywhere from two to six foot deep. So it's important. If I would take those skis off, I would, I would sink. I would be about knee deep to, you know, over my head in snow. That could be, you know, quite the dangerous proposition. But um, I went into the mountains this morning. I was out there for a couple hours just going, you know, just miles and miles. I'm, I'm miles from any civilization. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and take this call and then I'll finish this thought at the end of this podcast. Hey, brother, thanks for calling back. Hey. So, yeah, we had Sounds a... Like- we- I had a great conversation that went on a little bit longer. We had a, a caller from Poland, so it was our first time actually oh. having a having a caller from Poland call in, and it was it was an amazing call. And uh, he was from the House Church in Poland, and um, yeah, I just wanted to share with him. So sorry to cut you wow, off. Great. I, I want to go back to where we were talking about uh, when you were sharing about the books. So we have several books that um that we've had for a while they are powerful books but because we've had so many new books come in the last you know few months in the last couple months um those books are not getting you know to the forefront and so these books are ones that we would like to give to our audience and you said that there's one book that is relevant for right now what what were you talking about that was um crimson crucible and it talks about the church in North Korea. It actually gives a little history of the um, church in North Korea and then talks about the current situation in the current church in North Korea. And um, North Korea has been making headline news of late. People are questioning Kim Jong-un's health. Um, I think since our recent podcast, there's been a confirmed uh, seeing of him, so we know he's still alive, but we don't know what his health situation is like. So that's very relevant to today, and that's um, a highly recommended book. What is our, what is our, because I know that for the last few weeks, we've been 50% off. We've been selling more books now than I think we ever have. Um, people have been calling in, buying our books, uh, get taking, really taking advantage of this 50% off. And that makes me super excited. Um, what is our situation with the Crimson Crucible right now? The, uh, price of it? No. Uh, do we have enough stock? Do we have, um, oh, yeah. Yes, we do. Okay, we excellent. Do. We have plenty of the Crimson Crucible in stock, so um, bring it on. Okay, excellent. Let's do it then. What I'm going to start doing is I, I would love to work together with you and just start doing free giveaways. I know that we have some like North Korean coins. Uh, we have some uh, Tibetan relics uh, that we have that we've gathered while we've been on ministry there. And I'm not talking about things that are made in factories. These are one-of-a-kind items that we have bought on the ground from people selling them. Um, so for instance, the North Korean coins that I bought, I bought from somebody off the street that dug them up from North Korea, brought them across the border and was just trying to make a few bucks. So I didn't buy these, you know, on eBay. I didn't pick these up at a, at a vendor that, you know, takes old uh, new coins and tries to make them look old. These are ancient coins from ancient Korea that have been dug up and now we have them available and we just want to make them, uh, available for people that support back to Jerusalem, things that people will remember, things that people will talk about, things that will prompt people to remember the persecuted church and to pray for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. I think we need to, um, look at somehow giving one away per, um, Saturday, um, podcast, every Saturday podcast will give 
uh, one coin or one stamp away. We need to figure out how we'll do that, like a certain color or or something. Yeah, I think that that's a great idea. Uh, here's an idea that I just, you know, kind of had while I was doing this podcast. Mother's Day is coming up. I would love to do another special call-in podcast um, because it seems that people are calling and not able to get through. So I kind of want to do it longer than one hour or maybe do it more than just one day a week. Uh, right now, I don't see a reason why we can't. I can do, I'm doing podcasts anyway, right? So I'm, I'm already pontificating and sharing things that you know people may not want to hear. Why not take calls during the times that I'm sitting down doing podcasts anyway to talk about things that people do want to hear? People that are listening that say, hey, I have a question. Hey, I have a concern. Um, I would love to allow them a platform to come on, share with us the good, bad, and the ugly, uh, maybe more than once a week because right now I'm able to do that. I, who knows what will happen when the when the airlines start opening up again and I'm able to get back into China and Iran and North Korea. Um, who knows, you know, how often I'll be able to do these podcasts, you know, like this again. Or maybe we have right. to, you know, hand this over to someone else to take up this podcast and start running the Saturday morning podcast instead. Whatever it looks like. My point is, I would really love to do an extra kind of call-in podcast um, for Mother's Day, a special Mother's Day podcast where mothers can call in and we have a special Mother's Day gift for them. Yeah, let's um, let's do it. Absolutely, let's do it. We need to get that out to our um, social media people and get it advertised as quickly as possible so people know about it. But absolutely, let's do it. Okay, great. So... Um, we, we, what I would like to do is if you were able to just share with me some of the things that we still have in the U S office, I know that I've bought some things and sent them over, um, that we could give away, uh, to our friends, our partners, our supporters. I'm assuming that you still have those or some of them. I do. Yes. Uh, do you remember just off the top of your head what it is that you have? Um, I have them here somewhere. I'd have to look for them and see where they are, but I know I had, I know I had stamps. North um, Korea. Yep. These are stamps from North Korea. Yeah. And I had those coins that you talked about from North Korea. I think yep. those were the only two items that I had, the stamps and the coins. Okay. Did you get any of the money? Like we, I think we had paper bills from North Korea, which is actually illegal to bring out of the country. Um, but we were okay. able to get bills. Um, so, yeah. I'm not sure that I got paper bills or not. Um, okay. I'll have to look and see. I know I have it around here somewhere. Okay, and um, I think that I'm we still... We have for a while, and so I'm not exactly sure where they are, but they're, they're here. Yeah, you just moved into a very big office that you have right there by your house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, a, that's a massive office. Do you want, to, you want to tell people the kind of square footage you're working with? Yeah, it's about seven and a half feet wide by about <laughs> uh, 12 foot long, so it's, um, it's pretty spacious. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically you, you build have, it by hand, you know, right? Booked in here, and you know our T-shirts and a lot of our Christmas stuff as well is all packed in here. So um, I have enough room for a chair. Whenever uh, my wife comes in to get books to ship, I have to kind of snuggle up against the desk so she can get through behind me. But um, it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and you built it by hand, right? I did. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, you built yep, this. You built this shed. And that, that's, that's what it is. It's basically a shed. So if you've ever been to like a farmer's market or a Lowe's and you've seen these, you know, prepared sheds, they're basically like a small storage facility that you can buy at wherever these lumber yards are. If you are, you know, 
from Europe or whatever, you, you've seen these buildings that you can get, um, a, that you can buy for like a thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars. They put them on a trailer, they deliver them to your house and it provides extra storage space for your garden, your back, your backyard, whatever you can put, put your lawnmower in there. You, you can put your garden tools in there, but there's not really room for much else. And that's what you have built uh, for the Back to Jerusalem office. So if anybody's thinking, oh, Back to Jerusalem is embezzling money uh, to build a huge, you know, fancy headquarters uh, in the U.S., um, Will is here to tell you that uh, you could not be more wrong. Well, and the only reason we have this is because whenever we moved um, about a year ago, we moved from Baton Rouge to South Carolina area. And uh, when we did that, we moved out of a house that we had extra room in the house for our office. And the house we're in now is a uh, very small house, which is just enough room for us to sleep in. And so we didn't have extra room for our office in the house. So that's why we have it out of the house now. But our other staff um, have their offices in their house. So they just have an extra room or an extra corner in their house is where they have their offices. Yeah, I mean, I know that we have that for Canada. Uh, We were in a church, but then... Uh, we moved closer to the new directors, uh, Denver and Christy, who are just so awesome. Um, we've actually seen a huge increase for people that are supporting Back to Jerusalem from Canada. So if you are listening to this mm-hmm. podcast from Canada, thank you so much. Uh, for uh, our friends in the Netherlands, our office is in uh, actually spread across a couple of homes because we have so many materials that we couldn't fit them all in one home. So we are in homes uh, in uh, Canada and in the Netherlands. In the U.S., by the way, I, I want to give a shout out to our friends who run a, uh, a factory. We've partnered together with them and we run part of the Back to Jerusalem office, at least the storage side, out of that distribution facility. And then in the U.K., we have a special church that has been with us from the beginning. They're, they've been really um, uh, strong partners. It's Hope Church in Rotherham. And Hope Church has allowed us to have an office as well as a storage place for our goods. So we've been able to run out of there, you know, basically cost-free. So that has been a huge, huge blessing for um, our Back to Jerusalem supporters because what that means is that when our supporters donate to projects, the costs that are taken by people having the office in their homes or having a shed like you or having a storage facility at a distribution factory like we do in the U.S. or having the blessing of Hope Church in the U.K., what that means is that the majority of the funds that are given are going straight to the field. And that's been a huge, huge blessing. It is, yes. Yeah, it was it was funny because the um, cultural difference and the language difference. Even though we both claim that we speak English, um, when um, our director from the UK was talking about their office space, they said, "Yes, we have a little cupboard space that we have. Um, we do all of our stuff from." And I'm thinking, a cupboard, because in the US, a cupboard to me is something that's in your kitchen where you store dishes and cups and plates. Yeah, and. Um, Whenever I got to actually see it in person, um, what she meant was a closet, which was an interesting uh, crossover of um, culture. But anyways, uh, they they don't have a lot of space, but she has it arranged very uh, practically and it's been working really good. Yeah, well, I mean, we have the 
the uh, old Mother Hubbard nursery rhyme, right? That uh, old Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard <laughs> to fetch her dog a bone. And so when you think of That's cupboard, <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't you don't think of a of a room. And and I think that that's also the the British way of being maybe a little modest as well. Um, but one yeah. one of one of the things that um, I just want to share, we've now gone past the eleven o'clock time frame there for the East Coast. So we you know we do this podcast where we've been doing a, a, a this podcast for the last couple weeks every Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. where you can call in and we talk with you live on the Back to Jerusalem podcast. Now, that is confusing for some people because they're thinking that we're broadcasting at the same time. Now, I wanna look into that. I wanna look in to see what we can do to be broadcasting while we're doing this podcast so we can record it, broadcast, and take in calls at the same time because we don't do it edited anyway, right? So I thought, why yeah, not? So I'll, I'll look into it, but I just want people to know that plan to call in that we do this from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Saturday morning. It's our Saturday morning mediocre mission show. Call in. We're more than happy to take your call, your questions, your comments, your complaints. And um, uh, from 10 to 11, and if you don't get your phone call answered, wait about three to five minutes and then call us back. But know this, that we post the podcast later in the week. We record the podcast live on Saturday morning during the during the call-in, but we post it later in the week. So we're not posting it or it's not anywhere live at that time. But I wanna look into that. So I'm gonna to try to see what we can do to do a live podcast while we're doing the recording and before we post it. So I would be open to some ideas. But before, since we're already past the 11 o'clock mark and the podcast is officially over, um, I just wanna take a few more minutes while you're still here, Will, because I thought you brought up something really good about this book, Crimson Crucible. Because this is the only book that is available, that I know of, that outlines in detail the history in the current situation for the underground house church inside of North Korea. And it's also been updated to talk about Kim Jong-un and his background and the part that he plays. Now, you had said that, you know, that we've seen a lot of reports that he was dead. Back to Jerusalem has been reporting on the authenticity of a lot of those reports. And now today, for the very first time, or it was last night actually, uh, before I went to bed in European time, already early in the morning, it was already, I think it was like five or 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, North Korean news, uh, the KCNA, um, they did a broadcast about Kim Jong-un going to open up a fertilizer factory that was just uh, outside of Pyongyang. And so I want to let people know at Back to Jerusalem, we're not married to a theory. We try to report the truth as we find it and give you a little bit of information that we have from our experience as well as our contacts on the ground. Um, what we find with the news that's coming out of North Korea. Now, at the moment, I think that it has been, and we have enough evidence to show that the North Korean leader is alive, but is he in a functional state? That I still doubt. 
And it are yeah. the photos that are coming out of North Korea because right now all of the information that we're getting is coming from North Korean news. So this has been tailored in such a way. But I have a I have an issue with those news. But like I said, we're not married to a theory. So I'm still open to, you know, if we do find that he is alive, then Japan, which was one of the earliest nations to report this, I believe that they were right, which is um, the leader stayed out of the public eye because he had just had surgery and he did not want to expose himself to people that might be carrying the coronavirus. That could very well be the situation. But there's a lot of rumors out there that the person that you see in the pictures and uh, from North Korean news is a body double. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to go that route right now. I don't think that that's that the would case. Take a, that would take a big body double. That would take a very big body double. That's right now you're talking about a man who's over 300 pounds. His body mass index is out of control, which is why I give credence to the North Korea daily. Those that have been reporting on the situation inside of North Korea on a regular basis. I, there are a couple websites that I take very seriously. One is North Korea daily. The other is um, 38north, 38north.org. Those two websites I go to every single day. I read every article that they publish and I believe a lot of what they say because they are individuals who have been following North Korea long enough for me to take their word serious. So I really give a lot of credence to them. And when I rated Um, and I gave a number scale on what you could believe that he's on vacation as the South Koreans were saying. I think that that's about as believable as two out of a scale of 10, um, that you can believe, um, that he was hiding from the coronavirus and recovering from surgery as Japan was reporting. I gave that a five, two weeks ago. I said that that is actually one of the more believable reports out there. And I would not be surprised if that turned out to be true, but I gave a nine on the believability reports to him being either in a vegetative state or dead. And the reason I gave it a nine is because of the source, um, the situation for the hospitals currently right now inside of North Korea, the fact that China had to send in doctors or doctors were called in from China. By the way, that's still the case. China had to send doctors into North Korea. China reported that. So we know that doctors were sent in for Kim Jong-un. That's a fact. Mm. That's that. So that compiled with the wow. um, reports that we were getting, I still think that we might be looking at an individual that is in a, in a, in a serious health situation. Is he dead? I don't think so. Um, is he functionable? I don't think so. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. So we see. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out because that can um, could possibly change a lot of stuff. Yes. Yes. For um, North Korea. Yep. And now a lot of people are going to say, "Well, see, you can't believe the news coming out of North Korea because it's all fake news." I'm sorry, but North Korea is not an open country. You do not have access into that nation to find out what's going on. So everything, even the things that you're told that are true are still conjecture. Get this. Think about this. We still do not know the year that Kim Jong-un was born. Yeah. Or his sister. Or his sister. 
And the, one of the reasons why we don't know, because, I mean, some people say that he was born in 1982, others say 1983, some say 1984. And the reason why we don't know is because we didn't even know he existed like 15 years ago. There's no current leader in the world today that we did not know even existed. Now, you may not have known that they existed, but everybody around them knew that they existed. Their mother, their father, whatever. Kim Jong-un and his sister both grew up as secret children of Kim, Il, Kim Jong-il being raised by his aunt and uncle as if they were the um, real children of his aunt and uncle. And so they were raised wow. in Switzerland by the aunt and uncle who lied to the Swiss authorities and said, these are our children. And so Kim Jong-un and his sister had to pretend to be children of the aunt and uncle. And uh, that played with their mind a lot because their mom died in Paris of cancer. Um, their father is a freak show. And their mm. aunt that raised them did the smart thing and went to the American embassy in Switzerland. And today, um, she now lives as a refugee outside of New York City in New Jersey. And uh, so the very person that raised him is now hiding out in America. And that has played a lot of games with his mind because that is a capital offense. You are to be killed for that. Not just you, your family. Also, Kim Jong-un, his mother was Japanese. His grandfather on his mother's side supported the war and worked at a factory for the Japanese to provide material for the war effort of Japan against Korea. Another capital offense. Um, also, his mother was not the wife of his father, Kim Jong-il. His mother was a comfort woman. She was basically, a, a, she was in a dance troupe. Kim Jong-il really liked dancing girls. He thought she was hot. Uh, he had a relationship with her, popped out three kids, and um, she, he, but never married her. Now she's yeah. exonerated as the Holy Mother. Now, uh, you know, posthumously, she's now been lifted up as someone who's like the wife, but she was actually not the wife of Kim Jong-il. Yeah. So uh, this, this is, you got to understand, this is a very deranged background that, so his brother that was supposed to be the leader, he had him assassinated in Kuala Lumpur a couple years ago at the international airport in broad daylight. Yeah. He was also... Yeah, that one was a bizarre one. Yeah, that was a bizarre one. But he was also not the son of the real wife. He was the son of one of the mistresses of Kim mm. Jong-il. Uh, his, only, his, his only real wife actually just had a daughter. And so that's why I came out with the article for Back to Jerusalem on who will take the reins. And I give caution to people that say that, you all, it's going to go to his sister. Because if it would go to his sister, before it would go to his younger sister, it would first go to his older sister, who is the daughter of the real wife of Kim Jong-il. Unlike the Japanese mistress wife, or not wife, sorry, Japanese mistress, yeah, comfort woman. Mistress, right? Yes, of Kim Jong-un. So Kim Jong-un has all of these brothers and sisters that come from different women. And who knows 
how many brothers and sisters are out there. We only knew about Kim yeah. Jong-un when his older brother was skipped over. So when Kim Jong-nam, his older brother, was skipped over because he tried to sneak into Japan and go to Disneyland with his passport and got caught, he was, you know, because he was had a fake Dominican Republic passport, got caught. Japan humiliated North Korea in front of the entire world. And so they had to pass on him to be the next leader. That's when they went yeah. to the back closet and dug out Kim Jong-un from Switzerland, brought him back to North Korea to be trained to be the next leader. And before him, he also had his older brother. So he had two older brothers that were in line to be the leader, but the next older brother was too gay, according to Kim Jong-il. So Kim Kim Jong-il thought he was too feminine, he acted too gay, and so could not select him. And he's actually been smuggled out of the country twice. Uh, Both times, one was to Singapore to go to an Eric Clapton concert, and the second time was to go to London to go to an Eric Clapton concert. So it turns out that individuals who hate America and are tyrants to their own people really love American entertainment, the NBA, American movies, and American singers. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing that really gets me, too, about Kim Jong-un, is that he um, spent all that time in Switzerland, and so he knows what it's like to, um, to live and to be in a country that actually functions and works, not just for the leaders, but for the people. And um, to see him come back and to um, do to North Korea what he's doing just kind of blows my mind. But you're absolutely right. Is it's amazing to see how um, hypocritical it is that the very things they stand against for their people are the very things they, as the leaders, um, do themselves. Yeah, it's it is a spirit. When you push away God and you adopt communism, you are a spiritual prisoner to stupidity. You do things... <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, you do things against your own interest, in your own interest. Meaning that you do things selfishly because you think they're good for you, but it screws over everything for everybody else, which then becomes a problem for you. One yes. of the beautiful things about the gospel is that it is self-sacrificial, but in that mm-hmm. self-sacrifice, it actually becomes a benefit to you. Now, the, yes. the, the Buddhists, every lie that we see in the world today is based on truth. When Satan tried to uh, tempt Jesus, he used real Bible scriptures from God's word, and he took God's word and put it in God's face. And that is how he tried to attack Jesus. I don't think his tactics have changed that much in the last couple thousand years. I think that what Satan does is he takes a foundation of truth, mixes it with perversion, sprinkles it with his own ideas, and then serves it up for the world. And then we eat it. We, we, we lick the bone. We clean our plates. Um, what I'm saying is that Uh, When you look at communism, there are elements of truth that come from God's word. And the reason why is the enemy needs to connect with us on a deeper level. The enemy needs to connect with us in, in the, because I believe that we're made in the image of God, right? So if we're made in the image yeah. of God, 
And, and, and a lot of people think that this means how we look. I, when, when I read that we are made in the image of God, I don't think God looks like us in the way that, you know, he's got my nose and my eyes and my hands. I believe that we are made in the image of God, that we have his characteristics. He stamped us with certain inalienable truths that exists in all of us because we come from God and we have these ideas, notions that of righteousness, lying, not lying, love, caring, giving. We have these notions, even though, even if we can't follow them. And so they're, they're, they're stamped very deep inside of who we are at the core of our being. So all of the religions, if you look at false religions, what you find, I believe at the very base is elements of truth. And the reason I bring that up is because in Buddhism, even though it is truth mixed with perversion, let's just take the truth for a minute. The truth has a certain element in Buddhism that is called karma. Now, in Christianity, we believe do good, do unto others as you would have done unto you. We believe that if you honor God in secret, he will award you in, in public. We believe that if you sin in private, you will still suffer the consequences because God sees all things. So this idea of karma isn't so far-fetched from Christian teaching. Now it's been perverted. So don't get me wrong. Don't write in and say, karma is of the devil. Of course it is. It's from Buddhism. I've written books about Buddhism and how evil it is. So trust me, I know what I'm saying is that their enemy uses truth to pervert it to pervert truth. He uses a foundation, perverts it, and then serves it up. The reason I bring that up is because in the communist system, you do unto others as you feel is best for you. So if you can stomp on people today to be able to advance yourself, you do it. Why? Because it's survival of the fittest. You believe in Darwinianism. You believe only in science. You don't believe that there's a God. So therefore there are no consequences. And if there are no consequences for your actions, you can be as evil as you want, as long as it advances your desires. And in that system, it actually comes back around to bite you in the butt like a like a canine latching onto yeah, a thanks. drug dealer trying to run from him. You got you got that return policy that you screw over your people in communist countries that comes back and screws you over as the leader as well. And in the Christian faith, it may feel like you are sacrificing for your brothers and sisters today. But trust me, it creates a kingdom culture that everybody benefits from. Everybody. Your sacrifice mm -hmm. today gives benefits tomorrow. Your selfishness today brings about problems for tomorrow. Kim Jong-un has been trapped by the enemy and is making the world's dumbest decisions because he takes steps today that he thinks advances him today but they screw them over. Mm -hmm. It screws everybody yeah. over. It makes the society worse for everybody in North Korea. North Korea sucks today because you have people at the top that have power that do everything they can to make their lives better and screw yeah. everybody else. And yeah. that is slavery.
Slavery to sin tastes good in your mouth, but it's bitter in your stomach. It is. And it's, it's like you've just been talking about um, God's principles work, and um, anytime you go against them, they don't work. Um, and it just blows my mind how over and over and over again, people have seen people fail at the same thing and think, well, this time it'll work. This time it, it'll be different. It'll work for me. It'll work in this situation. And it, it never does. Um, God's principles work. Anything outside of his principles don't work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, brother, it was great talking to you. That is the book that we would like to give our friends from Poland. Um, I'm going to kind of probably give you just a couple of, uh, of uh, book uh, suggestions, if you could send them to them, because they've really loved B2J, and they want to get those books out to other house churches, and I would love to encourage that. I can also send them the um, the link because we have Crimson Crucible and um, ebook as well, so they would be able to share that with as many people as they want. So yes, please send me a text or an email. Give me the um, either the addresses or the contact information for all the people you want to send Crimson Crucible to, and I'll make sure they get it out. Awesome, thanks, brother. God bless you. Take it easy. Thank you. You too. All right. And thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem Saturday morning call in. This has been fun. This has been fun. I might take it overboard and and uh, and do it a couple more times during the week because I have a lot more things that you know I share every week during their Back to Jerusalem podcast. Why not take in calls while I'm doing the Back to Jerusalem podcast? So I think I might start doing that. If nobody calls, no harm, no foul. I can talk all day long whether people listen or not, <laughs> whether people participate or not, whether people call in or not, but. I think it's so much better when I get to hear your voice, when I get to hear about your thoughts about Back to Jerusalem and the Back to Jerusalem podcast and the Back to Jerusalem mission. And it is a blessing to know that we're not alone. We are completing the Great Commission together with brothers and sisters around the world. And your voice, even though we know it's out there, is confirmation that we're not alone. This body of Christ is together completing the Great Commission. God bless you. Thank you for downloading this Back to Jerusalem podcast again. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. God bless you. Mm-hmm.